In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, this is Mark Marble. And this is Corwin Kroll. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 254. I know, it's the one people have been just, they've been waiting for, dying for. (laughs) Because we certainly haven't. Uh, So this will be our late, but still, (laughs) our Green Lantern quarterly, quarterly episode. So we're going to be doing Green Lantern Core quarterly number six. Which, on the bright side, means there's only, two, what, two more issues left to go with the series? <laughs> and, and, you know, I've had to reschedule, like, once or twice, so it's, you know, it's probably my fault, so I apologies for that. It's okay. I, in the big in the big picture, it's still, what was it, like, only, like, a week? Like, a week's worth of delays, and that's, yeah. and that's, having, resch- and that's having a couple of possible dates in between the records, so... That's all fine and good. You're stepping into the fray, which is important because uh, I I had entertained the, the possibility that if for some reason we couldn't get this done tonight and Chad was unavailable to record something this week, it's like I, I actually thought maybe I would have to try this being my solo? first solo episode, and God, I would hate doing that. <laughs> it would have probably been like a 30-minute like a episode, and that's even with like 10 minutes being rambling on like this in the beginning because I would cut – I would cut right through to the chase. It's like, you don't really need to know about this. <laughs> it's like, Emerald Twilight's coming, people. That's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, it's all so, good. Oh, God. So let's 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 look at this. Um, I'm trying to remember how we... I said I was taking Lara, right? Are we, that's, yes. Yeah, all right. So, whoops, I hit the wrong button. That doesn't help. Uh, off to a flying start. Uh all right, so let's let's begin with the basics first. Uh, like I said, this is quarter. This is number six, and this came out what the I think I believe it said the fall of '93. I'm pretty sure it says on the front page because now I'm trying to get back because unfortunately I closed my window. Yes, fall 1993, and I I will confess when you first called me to you know do this episode, I'm like, oh wait a minute, is that the one with Ash? Because you know that's like one of the most Famous covers in my mind for the Green Lantern quarterly books is the next issue. It's actually issue seven. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, oh, I missed it, but it's okay. Well, maybe you can come back for seven then, because Lord, because no- Lord knows you you're you're, you're kind of like facing your penance now for for doing number six. <laughs> Though I will have to admit, I like the cover. Alan Scott looks pretty badass on the cover. Oh yeah. Which is, and the cover says. The Harlequin at least unleashes the fury of Alan Scott, which kind of picks up on, I think it was last issue, that Harlequin, the yep. new Harlequin kind of showed back up to make Alan Scott's life miserable. And and it said, plus Arisia, Power Girl, Boudica, Cat, Cat Matui, and 
that's about as exciting as I think we're going to get because some, some of these stories are just like, I don't know. Uh, so we, as people who have followed this po- this quarterly podcast have known, pretty much, I guess the the method that they've used to tell stories is just kind of like, even I like I like in previous episodes I think they've done it better in previous issues like around the campfire with Kilowog or around the Book of Oa and now. Instead, we're stuck with, like, Power Girl and, uh, but the Justice League International, like, working out and the female Dr. Light, which I don't think anybody really was a huge fan of. And who's the little girl? Uh, I don't remember who the little... Okay, I never read this era. I don't know who Chandy is supposed to be if she be, if she became a... if she became somebody. Uh, I, I just know that it's a, it's a really bitter, pregnant Power Girl. <laughs> oh, completely bitter. I mean... She is, just, and she doesn't even look good for Power Girl. I mean, not just because of sweat pouring off her. She just does not look. She just doesn't look to me as as you normally think of Power Girl. But the Justice League International is kind of like all working out and everything, and all of a sudden, you know, this their teleporter activates, and Arisia, who does look good, <laughs> she kind of steps through because I guess Guy Gardner just lets her use the teleporters whenever she wants, and she shows up on Earth looking for Hal. And, uh, you know, Power Girl, in between her bitterness, just kind of points out that Hal's off in, you know, Hal's off in space somewhere, which is part of what the DC Universe Trinity uh, okay. series. Mm-hmm. Number two! Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's just kind of funny because, you know, Power Girl seems to be going off on this, on this feminist rant about being angry at, at, all, men, at all men, and, and Hal, Hal seems to get a whole lot of her venom in this, which makes you wonder if something happened one night between the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, I, I, I was actually curious about who the daddy is because they're saying she might be pregnant. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, and based on I think what we talked about, based on googling it, it's a story we probably don't want to go into. Because <laughs> it, it, it like it sounds like it belonged more in our Game of Thrones episodes than this one. Oh lord! And I don't know what really happened with it, but I I don't know. But uh, she's kind of talk, they're kind of talking about. Oh, no, aren't there any female Green Lanterns? And you know, you know, Arisia is kind of like. Besides the fact that she could be offended because she was a Green Lantern, and seemingly she's trying to hit Hal up to become one again, uh, that little idea or that concept being floated that there aren't any female Green Lanterns leads into our first story, which is What Price Honor, which turns out to be the comic book version of Lara's origin, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty – I would say it's kind of, it's pretty similar to what we get in Emerald Knights, don't you think, for the most part? There are some changes. Clearly. Oh, there's – yeah, there's the biggest thing, which we'll, we'll get to when we after we review it then. We'll, cool. we'll explain the difference so we don't spoil it right away. So they have a very cool splash page to, be, to begin the story with uh, Lara beating the crap out of some white tiger Green Lantern and some, like, Shatari-looking <laughs> Green Lantern. And this is – let's see what – Ruben Diaz is the writer, Travis – Charest is the penciler, Ray McCarthy, and oh god, a- was that Agob Chimechin? Are the inkers? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bob Bob Lappin, the letterer, and Steve Matson is, is is the colorist. So basically, what we find is you know Lara has just been freshly recruited, and her, she is the daughter of Kentor Amato, who was the previous Green Lantern of her of their sector, Sector One Twelve. And she's just, you know, she is continually to going to town on these other Green Lanterns, and the Guardians are watching this, and the Guardians are kind of having an interesting conversation. Though those, their font really drives me crazy when I'm trying to read this. <laughs> it's not a comfortable reading font at all. <laughs> uh, so, 
they, you know, they're carrying on about how she's a great prospect, a great recruit, and she's got great potential. And we kind of have a background. Now we get into a background from Lara's point of view about how she had always longed to be a Green Lantern, basically to follow in her footsteps. And then, you know, of her dad, of her dad, of her dad, who was the, like I mentioned, who was the previous uh, Green Lantern of that sector. She had this fear that her father was going to go off into space on some mission, you know, and never come back. And eventually that came true. And then time passed and the Guardians came to her and pretty much offered the ring up to her so she could be she could be the replacement. Uh, Lara's kind of getting getting a little too uh, violent in, in her exercising and her, and her da- and their version of the danger room, I guess. Uh, so one of the, the so the guardian you know yells out to her to stop because she was kind of getting out of control. The guardian points out that you know you have to, almost very Yoda like like you remember you have to focus your power to concentrate but not give into emotion. It's like kind of end the session and meet me in the the antechamber. And that's when pretty much the uh, the two the, the the guardians pretty much tell her that you know she's performed excellently and you know it's time for your training is has pretty much. If it hasn't, it's getting close to reaching completion, and there's a crisis on your home world, so you need so you need to go back to Jade. So we pick up on as uh, Lara returns back to Jade, and she sees these kind of like the but was it the yellow is the yellow dragon this guy's Golden name? Golden dragon. Golden dragon. I knew it was somewhere coming up soon. I I can't, I, I took a shot and lost. It happens. <laughs> you were close <laughs> enough though. I was close enough. So she kind of sees these, like these symbols, which turn out to be related to the, you know, to the, to the golden dragon, and there's a, you know, there's a, there's a hellish castle, which pretty much is, is the home of the golden dragon, who seems to be on the surface, you know, the architect of all, of everything that's going on in her, on her planet, and of course we have the nice little villain soliloquy, uh, by the, by the. Uh, Golden Dragon about, you know, the time has come as I knew it would. Destiny can never be man's choice. It must be her who comes to oppose me. And and all this fun stuff. So uh, so Arisia pretty much steps into the fray. She gets to, she gets discovered and she f- essentially she's fighting. She's kind of I'm going to sum this up so we don't drag on forever. <laughs> she kind of, you know, she's kind of like fight, you know, fighting her way through some of the some of the uh, obstacles along the way that are sent between her and, and the Golden Dragon. You know, she's She's kind of all pumped about what's going on, and she's trying to defend the, the city. But, but the city is all right. Is the city is all? I believe so. Yeah, the city I, is all, and and the and the, uh, the planet is Jade. So she's she's working her way through, and then finally, kind of at the end of all this, she's she's worked her way through it, and the big boss waiting for her at the end is the Golden Dragon. It's like the the Golden Dragon fears to look into the eyes of no one. You should call me master. And they, you know, they they end up fighting and everything, and then we eventually we, you know, she kicks she kicks him in in the helmet, and they keep this continues on briefly, and then and then we find out that who's really behind the mask of the golden dragon is her father. Dun so, dun, dun. dun dun dun. No, I am your father. <laughs> so he, I like I like the little like fear streaks in his hair. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Parallax. Uh, so she's got. She's needless to say, she's stunned by all this. So she thought her father disappeared because logically he died. But of course, no. He just kind of. Uh, he he had you know he had other plans and. She's just stunned by this. It's like you know I I it's like, how can I you know how can I defeat the man that, you know I I sought and always wanted to emulate, 
and she and basically we kind of find out that her father's kind of gone off the rails too, kind of like in a sinestro like way, kind of trying to use the power for himself and and thinking that he knew best about how to you know to uh, read kind of weed out chaos and all this other stuff essentially. So that so that's when the, so the guardians essentially banished him, and he he somehow. Conveniently located a small cult that worshipped him when he was a Green Lantern, and they helped create the Golden Dragon identity and and the yellow power that he uses and all that stuff. So, with that little knowledge back, you know, Lara, who as we at least she's always consistent. Lara's always seemingly like two two seconds away from kind of going over the edge. <laughs> so, and, and a little bit with a little bit more cause this time. True. So Lara kind of Lara ends up. Uh, you know, she ends up, you know, spearing her father through the chest. You know, her father pretty much is, he's he's dying and kind of like, very, very, keeping the Game of Thrones theme lately. She's very hound-like, yells to her, like, finish me. And, and she's like, no, I won't kill my father, yada, yada. It's like, it's like, you're already finished. And, and she, now Lara kind of has, almost has her Emerald Twilight moment when she yells to the sky and 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 gets and yells to the guardians of, you know I summon you and the guardians show up and it's like we've been monitor you know we've been monitoring your progress and we're pleased it's like I really don't care that you're pleased it's like why wasn't I told the truth about this mission and that it was my father and they said it would have clouded your judgment on this assignment as a green lantern it's like we need to basically we needed to know that you were without fear and what better way than to confront it and you know and we pretty much needed to know where your loyalty was and all this. And Lara still wasn't, you know, she calms down a little. She's still not thrilled with what they did. She goes, you know, I will not support lies or deception again. You know, they've already brought, already brought me great loss twice. And Lara pretty much says, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay here. I mean, I'm. This is my sector because the Guardians mentioned about the idea. We thought, you know, we could, we considered relo- relocating you to another sector and she goes no that's not going to happen I'm needed here and the other guardian kind of mumbles yeah but we figured that <laughs> and that ends Lara's story now do you want to talk about 90s <laughs> this is a straight up 90s story the art I mean this artist you can tell he's aping like Jim Lee yes there's a little bit of um, um, Wills Potasio Especially some of the faces when he uh, zooms in and, and cross-hatching on it. And, of course, she's a ninja. <laughs> you know, ninjas were the rage in the 90s. This is just all straight 90s. And her father's armor, he's looking like Strife or something. It's just, I enjoyed it, but I got to say, definitely feel the 90s vibe to it. Yes, it definitely has a dated aspect to it. I think, I think it does get saved a little bit also because we know... That we see this origin again, or the, during the Emerald Knights animated <laughs> animated movie, so I think it helps that this is a this is a an origin that we, if, even if we've never read it in in the comic book form, or we kind of forgot the basics of her of where she came from, it's a little fresher in I think many people's minds because of the because of the animated movie, the Emerald Knights movie, because they she's one of the Green Lanterns that they focus on telling telling the story. Oh, and and there's a lot of gritted teeth. Yes, there are a lot of gritted teeth. <laughs> so you said you watched Emerald Knights again recently, right? Yes, yes, I did watch it. And the biggest difference between that and this one especially is that she knows going into her mission that, you know, it's her dad she's going to stop. Yes. And, that, and that's, that 
that changes the story in a big way. And of course, she faces off against her brother and her stepmother and 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 stuff like that. So, and I don't think her father was a Green Lantern. Um, he was not a Green Lantern in the in the Emerald Twilight Emerald Twilight Emerald uh, Knights Knights storyline as well. So there's some big differences, but they. They kept true to the main heart of the story. Yeah, they kept they kept true to the core of the story. I did remember – I certainly remembered her brother, and that's what threw me off when I first started reading this. Is like I, I had to go back and refresh my memory, too, of what was in the animated movie's origin because I definitely remember her confrontation with her brother. And I knew the father was involved, but I wasn't quite sure which one was – which one, again, was trying for the most to get the ring instead of Lara to take it from her. So I did like this one. I thought – I thought this was pretty good uh, overall. So I think I think it's one of the one of the better ones. Oh, for sure. The the art once again kind of a '90s things, but there's a little bit of problems with um um what's the word the the, the not dimensions the um proportions. There's some yes. proportion problems here or there with it as, as well. Guardians kind of look chunky in this one. <laughs> But even her, she's not consistently drawn. Her legs and arms seem to be a bit exaggerated at times. It's just a straight 90s thing. But I do like how she was eventually able to beat her father. Did you realize that you know, he's wearing a big golden armor, so none of her constructs can hurt him? So she grabs a regular sword and covers it in green energy and then stabs him with that. And he just kind of didn't even think to block it. Yes, arrogance. Pride goeth before the fall. <laughs> That's how she got him. So. She's, she's, she has always been one you really don't want to mess with that often. <laughs> oh, makes me miss her all the more in the current books. Yeah. Even Red Lantern Lara was fun. <laughs> oh. Ever so briefly, but she was fun. Yeah. Uh, all right, so... Good stuff. Yes. So I'll, I'll, do the, I'll continue with this horrible segue stuff. We talked about... You know, talk about bad art. Uh, so, so, so with this first story, this first story told, we go back to uh, the conversation with with the girl, the the women and the girls at the Justice League International gym. <laughs> it's like, uh, so the the thirteen year old girl is asking, like, what happened to Lara after that? And, and Arisia started talking, and you know, the Power Girl goes off in a rant. It's like, ah, oh, big deal. I bet Hal never believes any woman is his equal. It's like, uh, and then. Dr. Light say, like, Kara, why do you have such a problem with Hal lately? And she just yells, like, I don't have any problems with anybody! <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much how she says it, too. It's like, and, it's, and uh, they have, you know, they keep having this conversation about, like, what's wrong with her? Is it because she's pregnant? It's like, a, so it's kind of letting the cat out of the bag. And Arisia, you know, kind of points out, it's funny, it seems like Green Lanterns do get involved with women who either suffer or, or make them suffer. And then they have a, uh, and then that some, for some reason that cuts to a splash page of Cat Matui. <laughs> I, I don't know how appropriate that is. And then if, then then they go to Star Sapphire who kills Cat Matui right through her. <laughs> Adam Hughes actually, the uh, Star Sapphire. Yeah, with, wow. Like, without any detail on Star Sapphire at all, it's like. <laughs> this is probably his early stuff. Yes, absolutely, and uh. Which is interesting because we're going to actually see that story when when uh, Chad's Action Comics Weekly, which I'm sure you'll be hearing about probably later on in this show, <laughs> that uh, once that show actually starts rolling out, then that's that's you'll get to actually 
you won't see it literally since you'll be listening, but you'll be hearing about when uh, the whole Star Sapphire, Carol Ferris, Kat Matui relationship. So that, that that's a coming too. Uh, and now we segue to a story which luckily is not mine, which is the Alan Scott story. <laughs> Meant for each other. Written by Ron Mars, art by Jim Ballant, Andrew Peepoy on the inks, Albert de Guzman letters, Stuart Chaftez on colors, and Alan Scott created by Bill Finger and Mark Nodell. So we open up with uh, Alan Scott actually fighting with the Justice Society. It's uh, Hawk Girl and I can't tell who that person, that first person. Is that our man? Yes, it looks like uh, it could be Arrow Man in the back. There's I'm so not many, sure who that there's is. There's so many people all over the place. Um, Jay Garrett. Yes. Um, actually, those are the main people that he he fights, and then of course they're all upset at him because they don't recognize him, and he's like, "Well, you know, I'm young. I'm coming to you guys for help. Why are you attacking me?" And then we realize it's an illusion by Harley Quinn, and then she takes him on a fantasy trip through all the things that she could make true. We've got a uh, Warlord of Mars. Uh, what's it called? John Carter. John Carter, Warlord of Mars scene with her in the skimpy outfit and him looking like <laughs> He-Man. I was just going to say, He-Man, it's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, well, the, isn't John Carter the guys with the aliens with the forearms or whatever? But her outfit is definitely Deja yes. Thor's, so yeah. that's, that's straight from there. Yep. Then they jump to a noir private investigator thing. She's in there with her fishnets and everything. Then she takes him into outer space. Uh, just all these different fantasies, and then his wife walks in. And then out of nowhere, this – what is it? The original version of Harley Quinn, what his wife used to look like? Yeah, Harley Quinn, yep. Some kind of zombie version-looking thing meant to scare his wife, and she kind of passes out. And then Harley Quinn kind of gets mad since he keeps you know, shunning her advances and won't go with her or be with her. So then she kind of goes from, from nice to naughty, and she turns into almost like a hella-looking uh, sword – wielding warrior woman in the metal bikini and all that other stuff so alan scott this kind of pisses him off since his wife's passed out he's worried about her and uh after holly quinn threatens him he kind of starts going off the deep end and you see him talking about how you know you think you're scary i can show you what real fear is and he goes straight dark armored as well and they kind of lock swords for a little bit and Alice just keep asking, you know, what do you want? Why do you keep bothering me? And she's like, you, you were meant to be together. And he's like, you don't know who I am. And then he really takes a trip on the dark end and he turns – I don't even know what to call it. Uh, almost like Satan. You see them almost like in hell and he's on a throne and the Teen Titans I think are in the background burning. And he's got Harley Quinn at his feet chained up with a chain around her neck and just straight fetish. Just straight fetish. <laughs> I had to laugh. At how fetish this was. So he's like, is this what you want? Is this what you what you envision that you want to spend – be like this for the rest of your life? And this kind of rocks her, and she totally wasn't expecting it, and she just pretty much runs off, um, saying how he ruined everything. So then Alan goes back to Molly and tries to use his powers to heal her and wake her up, but it doesn't work, and then – she wakes up and she's like, you know, I'd always come back for you, and it kind of ends right there. Yeah. <laughs> these these costumes that they put these characters in is just straight <laughs> ridiculous and hilarious. 
It's like he- it's like he- rejects from heavy metal at the time, probably. That's <laughs> exactly what I thought of. It was just like, wow, they really went there. Yeah, I, mean, I think they 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 kind of crossed the line. I think of which is funny because we have uh we have some, it's not really a a listener feedback, but we do have some commentary to add to this at the, later on. I have some written feedback to add to this episode, <laughs> and yeah, this. The some of the stuff we see in this in this particular story is not lost on on the commenter either. It's like <laughs> this is like yeah between lot, lots lots of lots of T and A stuff in this in in the drawings and yeah Harlequin looks good and all so that's not that's really not up for debate but <laughs> but it seems it does seem and this is maybe might not be the appropriate term considering what we're talking about but it just seem almost seems like a fluff piece on a way just because it just seems like. Not much really happens here, and it just seems like it's – it just seems like it was kind of kind of just an excuse to draw these really weird kinky costumes. And yep. So, uh, yeah, I – even the stuff with Molly at the end, it just seems like just a little, okay. too, little too forced. Yeah, we're done. It's like, yeah, we're done with this. We're just going to move on. And his ring changes throughout – well, I guess they're all fantasies anyway, but I noticed on the last panel his ring is like the – lantern looking ring like it should be but in some of the other fantasies and stuff he has like a real green lantern ring the regular green lantern ring that's true who i it would be curious to know if that was completely by design or whether somebody just kind of like lost track but it probably i'll give we'll go benefit the doubt that it was uh that it was by design just to kind of showing that how changed he is and how un alan scott like he is so uh all right, so now, so with that with that story over with, we unfortunately cut back to the whole power Power Girl stuff and more really bad art for them. Arisia looks really weird. <laughs> I mean, Power Girl doesn't look good either, but she has, doesn't really look good throughout. These, so at least she, so at least that doesn't seem as striking. But Arisia, I don't know something about how how angular her face is and just out of. Maybe and the haircut I don't think helps. No, and the boob window. Yeah, the bo- a lot of boob windows in this issue. Yes, and surprisingly not with Power Girl. <laughs> That's probably what's missing. <laughs> she needs a special workout outfit still with boob windows. <laughs> so Power Girl is taking out her frustrations by lifting weights, and Arisia comes in and she wants to talk to her, and Arisia is kind of getting blown off by Power Girl. And Arisia takes a shot in the dark too, like you love Hal too, don't you? And she can, and she just goes, no, no. <laughs> like we've just had some situations lately, which still makes you think maybe it's maybe something happened one night. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Hal, <laughs> any port in the storm? <laughs> uh, so Arisia is kind of like Hal always has a lot of women around him. I guess you know he doesn't really treat us the best way, but in the but in the core, everyone's equal. And you know she's. Power Girl's just like, you know, you know, what do you really know about it? It's like, you're just a lovesick 13-year-old, 120, 30-year-old, whatever you are, <laughs> who used her powering to give herself an adult body, so it's kind of like, which is true, but still taking a shot at her. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is when, uh, this is when Arisia feels compelled to, uh, tell, as I went blank for a momentarily, tell Power Girl about another Green Lantern that Hal actually recruited. And I, unfortunately, I said I'm taking this one, didn't I? <laughs> yep. Uh, was it those who sit and wait? Uh, so we get this narration about uh, the 
Nyberg, and Nyberg is such a peaceful place, and we find out the character who is narrating this is the what the sheriff, mm-hmm. and what is it, Marlene, Martine? Uh, uh, good question. I it was written, in, I think it's Mar- Mardin, Mardine. I'm going to say Mardine until it is. Because uh, I'm trying to yes, yes it Martin. is Mardine. Good. Mardine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll say yeah, Mardin's easier. We'll say Mardin. So, and we. This is like a really strange-looking Green Lantern, uh, <laughs> a very, very ethnic-looking Green Lantern, very politically incorrect-looking Green Lantern. Uh, but she's blue. She is blue. Wish blues like she, 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 she. Yes, she would technically look. She looks like she's black, but she's blue. She's like a very, I don't know. But she's really nice. She's really sweet, and and everybody comes to her when they have problems, including a little kid who comes over because her because her dolly was broken and. And of course, Mardine is all too, you know, all too happy to help. And she kind of points out that you know she was a 50-year-old widow when the Guardians asked her to become Green Lantern. And she kind of pointed out that she wasn't really a superhero, but they assured her she she wouldn't have to (laughs) repel Armada as a wrestle giant robots. They pretty much were just looking for you know the calm, practical type, and she obviously fit that bill. And she has really like almost like kind of like pig dinosaur-looking. Like pets and stuff that she's Cattle feeding it. Stuff, yeah, yeah, at, at her at her farm and uh, you know, so a farmer farmer beecher beecher heart comes to her and points out that one of these whatever zazas these beasts are you know, a big one has been kind of like eating, nipping at his herd and she you know, he lost a few heads three heads of of well used cattle but they're really not <laughs> three heads of cattle from his herd in the last week. And she's like, "Oh, come on in, have some iced tea, and then we'll, and then we'll kind of, and then we'll kind of deal with it." And we kind of find out at this point that Mardine, Mardine doesn't really use her ring. At this point, she pretty much tries to avoid it when possible. But at the end of the day, you know, so they, they so when Mardine and Beach the, far, uh, the farmer over here, Beecher, they go going back to their farm, her uh, his farm, excuse me, to try to look at the problem. They start taking this like this. Again, it, it's, I don't even know how you would describe this thing. It almost, <laughs> it's really weird looking. It's kind of like trying, it's, it's like trying to be like a horse and wagon, but it's, this thing looks more like a, like a six-legged. Triceratops without a front horn. Yeah, without, without a, yeah, without the big spike in the front and the fact that it has like a, at least, at least seven or eight spikes. Horns. Uh-huh. And she kind of, po- and, the, and you know, the farmer kind of points out, why don't you use the ring to fly us back? Ah, oh, flying makes me sick. And it's like, doesn't it make you sick? <laughs> so, one of the cute things we do find, it's like, yeah, flying makes her nauseous. That's, so, he he goes, well, I don't know, I've never really, you know, I've, I've never really flown before, but it'll save us a couple of hours, why don't you give it a shot? And all of a sudden, uh, she decides, you know, she decides to do it. The farmer's not too thrilled with flying either, but you, but the look at her face is all you need to know because it's like <laughs> she, she would have been hurling if it kept, if it kept on going any time sooner. Uh, so that they, they tried it, it didn't really work. So then they ended up going back on foot, I think, and or by wagon. So they finally, several hours later, arrive back at at Beecher's farm. Unfortunately, another one. Another one of the herd is killed. That's kind of that's kind of sad looking. <laughs> uh, the da- you know Beecher's daughter comes over and said that you know the Zaza came back last night after you left. You know Lucy winged him with the whatever with the thirty the thirty oh six, but he got away. And where's Lucy? And they go, oh, she went after him. They went north into the mountains. 
And then, of course, Martin's like, oh, there's no time to lose. And, and, she, and she flies off on her own with her little – I like her little utility belt. <laughs> or just keeping her pants up, one of the two. <laughs> but, she, you know, but she's flying, and, of course, she's holding her, her hand over her mouth the entire time because she's still getting nauseous even when she's just not flying a, a, big, a big wagon and month and an uh, alien horse mammoth triceratops thing pulling it. Uh, so – Martin finds Lucy Hart, who looks like she belonged to the Alice guy. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was like, wait a minute, the far- literally the farmer's daughter. Yeah, the, the farmer's daughter with you know with the t- with the like the cut off shirt and and we and pigtails. Yeah, the pigtails and 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 Lucy seems like she's you know she's a she's about to get a- attacked because you know the, the the rifle was damaged you know when when she when she was chasing being chased by the creature. And still, Martin's trying to prevent herself from throwing up. She 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 uses her Green Lantern ring to take a rock and and, and smack the Zaza right in the head <laughs> with a big clunk. I like that. And it's like so he knocks the knocks the Zaza out and and uh, Martin's trying you know tr- trying to figure out you know what to do here. It take it took takes her two hours to you know to, t- to dig a pit so she was going to put the Zaza in, but of course. Uh, you know, Lucy, you know, Lucy, but Lucy's what? Is Lucy's going back? Is that what it is? Yeah, Lucy left, and she set a trap, which uh, this doesn't even make sense to me. Why? Yeah, why it would work or anything? Yeah. It's outclawed. Why not just put it in a net and take it away? But no, she digs a pit, makes it chase her and fall into the pit, and inside the pit there's a net that she kind of yeah, uh, she uses up with yeah, her she... construct. And then she has this space like skyrocket thing. Uh, looks like something out of Flash Gordon, and she kind of and she kind of drags you know drags the Zaza away, and it drags a thousand miles away. You know, uh, pretty much where it's not going to be any pro- going to be any problem or hurt anyone else, and also where uh, it won't get hurt by another farmer and another farmer's bullet. So pretty much she's trying to do the happy medium, prevent any more damage to. The far- any farmers in their in their herds, and of course she really prefers to try to save the Zaza because there really aren't that many of them left. So Mart- Martin f- flies back. It's like you know she goes, "The people are depending on me not for the Green Lantern thing, but for the sheriff thing." Hey, they pay me six hundred credits a month. <laughs> I feel silly flying around like a like a fancy kite. So she you know she she comes back to comes back to town. She lands and is like, hey folks, I'll be I'll be with you guys and start helping you in a second. I just need to fix myself an iced tea and a bicarbonate. <laughs> and and we find out, yeah, you know, everybody just comes to her for even just like peace of mind and for not even physical fixing things. It's like, can you talk to my brother about his drinking problem? <laughs> so so she is really like Oprah. She's like Oprah and Doctor Phil. And she's like, I'll be right, I'll be right with you. Just let me fix my tea. And then she goes, I don't know why the Guardians made me a Green Lantern. I hardly ever use this silly thing. <laughs> the end. Uh, it was yeah. amusing, but it was kind of again, kind of, talk about a fluff piece. It kind of was. But yeah. I guess it's, but I guess it's nice. It's it's cool to see, even though it's not new anymore because we've kind of seen it. But it's interesting to see Green Lanterns who really go out of their way not to use their ring. Ring. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a big deal. It's not a big part of her life. It's not even a big deal to her. She's just kind of, you know, moving at her own pace with everything. Yes, I mean she keeps it charged enough where she's got her uniform on, but, <laughs> but, but again, like she said, people see her more as a, as a the sheriff and as a moral and 
a leader and just somebody who they can know they can count on and just someone who they can they feel they can trust and they can talk to just somebody somebody who can they, they can cry on her, on her shoulders about all their problems so i think that ultimately that and that's what seem it, not seemingly that absolutely is what she's much more satisfied and with or in and takes more pride in so i think that i think that's kind of cool and now you got a good story <laughs> yeah so you got laria so of course i wanted this one cuz this is Borica, the largest Green Lantern of them all in Say It With Powers. So, of course, uh, in case listeners don't know, she's like the big, huge warrior woman, straight muscles and just ridiculously cut. Uh, written by Gerard Jones, penciled by Scott Collins. I didn't recognize his art there. Um, inked by Ray Christens, lettered by Steve Haney, and colored by Tom McCraw. So we open with her literally taking an axe to somebody and, you know, beating these other male warriors. She's kind of upset because they didn't prove any kind of challenge. So she decides to climb this big, huge tower and go in through the window and have, a you know, this big battle. A uh, bunch more of these muscle-clad skimpy – I like the fact that everybody in this place are all wearing skimpy, skimpy leotards and just hardly anything. They're all just – Straight muscular. There's Man. a lot of a lot of that in this issue, even though kind of <laughs> yeah, the Martin story kind of shot that th- current continuing theme to hell. But for the most part, there's a lot of that in these stories. <laughs> oh yeah, straight straight mm-hmm. muscles and palm muscles for everybody, men, female, and all the men lay loincloths as well. So uh, she throws down with these dudes, and she's just literally singing as she's beating their asses, mostly even without her ring. On top of that. Eventually, she gets pissed off that they almost damaged the package that she's carrying, so she uses a ring and knocks them out. And then she finds what she calls a twisted, scheming old witch, and she's fighting some other muscle-bound lady who seems older than she is. This lady's kind of – yeah, she's definitely older, but, I mean, they throw down, fighting, trying to stab each other Um, at one point. uh, She throws a knife at Budika who deflects it, and it stabs her in the shoulder. Then uh, she throws Budika's grandmother's head at her because it seems to be this – it's not even shrunken, just an old withered head of her grandmother. And as they're fighting, they're just throwing insults back and forth at each other. Um, And we find out her grandmother – what did she say it was? Um, If you remember how grandma lost her head and then Budika's like, well, after the kun shot off her legs, what was there left to live for? So – there's just a lot of big talk about these two and how rough they are and how, you know, fighting is their everything and they just keep insulting each other, calling each other all kind of crazy names and stuff. Uh, at one point, the bad guy gets a stranglehold on Budika and she eventually uses her ring to knock her off. And then when you think she's going to deliver the killing blow, she kind of misses with her axe and the lady's all happy that she came to visit her and we find out that it's her mother and that she brought her flowers and it's kind of back on earth they have this thing for mother's day when they visit and then her mom's all happy she's like oh i can't believe you actually gave me such a great fight and you brought me flowers and they're all happy and stuff and uh they say you know her grandmother probably would have been happy to see it all Happy Mother's Day. Better late than never. I like that little ad, that little add-on in the final panel. Like, because this is a story you want to think of when you think of Mother's Day. <laughs> Mom, I'm home to whoop your ass. 
I'm telling you, I'm sitting here like, well, wait a minute, what? It's like, it was kind of funny with all the insults going back and forth. I'm like, they must be friends or something. But to find out that's her mother, I was like, okay. Okay. All those family customs, gotta love them. <laughs> the woman who taught her how to fight. What was it? it was a, there was a funny comment about a, what did she call her? Creaking rot sack. <laughs> <laughs> There was something with the breastplate. What did she say? Remember the time you wore my breastplate without asking, remember, or whatever? It's like, <laughs> something that's like the butt whooping you got for that or something. Oh. What's, in, what's interesting about this is, like, I don't really see Bud- – and I don't think we really got much of this aspect of Boudica going forward. The fact that they do – there's a lot of humor that Boudica uses in this. Maybe – maybe mo- – I was going to say maybe mostly because she's fighting her mom, but she actually uses some, But like you said, when she's singing her warped variation of Diamonds are a Girl's Best Friend, uh, which, again, how would she – she'd pick up on that real quick from, like, spending five minutes on Earth. <laughs> but still, uh, but it's the ring maybe. Blame everything on the ring. But the idea that, you know, I don't remember Boudica being a very comical or humorous character, and she there's a lot of humor going on. Like when she's talking – like you mentioned, like she's talking about – her grandmother is like, what did she have to live for after the couldn't shut off her legs? Because she, because she said, all grandma I ever loved to do were the, well, those Saturday dances. <laughs> so that that's kind of an interesting take on uh, Boudica. But... You, you bent, vile, straggle-bearded, gap-toothed old strumpet. <laughs> <laughs> or the palsied, bird-boned, hunchbacked old hag. <laughs> Those panels are like right on top of each other <laughs> on the same page. Uh, it was a fun story, though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this, this, this one, this one was fun, and in a way, the the whole point of that story really was just to surprise Paragor with the fact that Hal that the Hal was the one who recruited Boudica, and seemingly Paragor just can't like wrap herself around this. It's like, uh. <laughs> and Dr. Light's like, well, maybe Hal's more open-minded than you give him credit for. You know what also made me laugh? Budika didn't even get mad about the insults until she called her a man in a woman's body. <laughs> That's what she's like. You don't have to get insulting. Her mom was like, you insult me by leaving your vitals open like that. <laughs> and and as, and as muscular as she is, I, she, she still doesn't seem that woman, that man-like, I should say to me. <laughs> She's definitely a woman. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty much that's pretty much almost the entire issue. We get some really bad. Uh, they still they still keep fishing. Arisia keeps fishing at the end. Like what's going on between you and Hal? We don't get any of this. And then unfortunately, because there wasn't enough T and A or <laughs> or hints in this issue about sexuality, then you had to have the had to have the thirteen year old girl p- pulling out her shirt saying, uh, "It's like maybe you can get when you get your power ring, you can give me an adult body too." <laughs> <laughs> and it's the, funny. It reminds me of a uh, X Men Jubilee. At one point, she looks at Psylocke and she looks down at her shirt. <laughs> She's like, "Life's not fair," or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, life's just not <laughs> fair, man. <laughs> So this whole issue was called the Book of Equals. So even though this is told in a really a different style, I think than mo- most of the other quarterly issues at this point, at least they do continue the theme of it being the Book of Something. Mm-hmm. So at least they continue that. Uh, so the cover was by Jim Ballant, who, but so that was a good cover. I did like that with Matt Webb doing the colors. Gerard Jones was the writer of the overarching 
Power Girl, like Arisia stuff. Jason Pearson, the penciler. John Dell, the inker. Pat Brosau, the letterer. Tom McGraw, colorist. Kevin Dooley and Eddie Berganza. He's still, he he was there even then. <laughs> Keeper, <laughs> keepers of the Book of Oa. And thus wow. ends Green Lantern Quarterly 6. I didn't realize he's been with the Lanterns that long. Yeah, I think once in a while it really dawns on you when you realize that he's been back there, that he has been tied to Green Lantern for better and for worse for you know for decades now. So that's that's pretty cool. So any any final thoughts on the issue as a whole before we delve into our guest commentary by some, by some Joker? <laughs> <laughs> no, um. It, I feel a little bit sad reading this just because, like, Budika and Larry are, are gone. You know, we don't have any – very few staple Green Lanterns from this time period still around. I mean, I you don't think they're ever going to kill Salak or that once they even killed off uh, Kilowog. But besides that, I mean, Graf, um, there's very few Lanterns from this time period that we still have around. And it just seems like I think pretty much all the girls are gone, right? Arisia is still around. But... Arisia – yeah, Arisia still – well – she, we know she really is still alive, but she disappeared in Edge of Oblivion, so she's right. presumed dead, but we know she won't be. <laughs> right. She probably just came back to the universe maybe a little quicker in a, in a different, maybe in just a different spot. Uh, yeah, Boudica's gone, uh, Lara's gone. Um, I can't even think of any other ones. No, mo- yeah, because most of, most of the Lost Lanterns are gone. But Tomar Ray still, uh, Tomar 2. Yep. Tomar, yep, that's yeah, to- true. Whichever one, to- it's to- which one's the newer one, 2, right, Tomar 2? I believe so, but I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, he's he's. I think he's he's still alive, but most of the uh, yeah, most of, most of the lost. And what's his face? The 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 thing looking guy, Haku. Is that Hanu. Him? Hanu. That's it. That's. I think I think he's still alive. Uh, I think so. But many of the lost lanterns pretty much started getting weeding out once we got into uh, Sinestro Corps War going forward. So that's unfortunate. So before we. Before we put this completely to bed, we do have thoughts on Green Lantern Quarterly by somebody named Chad Bokelman. <laughs> oh, he had to write in, huh? <laughs> he, he just had to write in. He spelled Lara's name wrong, but it's okay. But we'll, we'll cut him some slack. Uh, so this, this, I'm going to read Chad's comments. I, I think we'll just do it as nah, – yeah, we'll, we'll break it down by story. So so Lara's the first story he goes with. Uh, he goes, a white tiger, Green Lantern? Dude, I need a figure of that. <laughs> White tigers are my favorite animals, so yeah. <laughs> I think Chad might have been boozing it up when he was doing this one. Uh, anyone think that that other alien Green Lantern on that page looks like one of the Chitari from the Avengers movie? It's like, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Not just because I said it, but because I think he's right. It does kind of look like that. Uh, I do like how the story in retrospect really showcases the devotion and care of the producers and script writers of the Emerald Knights animated movie took when making it. Uh, Lara's story is pretty much adapted exactly. Yes, with some some you know asterisks there, but mostly. Uh, nice splash pages for Katma's life and death. Seriously though, <laughs> posing with your sword in someone's chest like that, can we at least give her a little more of a batshit crazy look? <laughs> it's like ah uh, yes. Yeah, that pretty much doesn't. <laughs> I think I will roll through this because we'll, then we can laugh it all at one time. <laughs> Alan Scott, look, I love Alan Scott. Seriously, it's part of the reason I wanted to do this quarterly, quarterly thing. 
at least some Alan on a regular basis. But do we really need an Alien Scott tits and ass special? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm all for female empowerment slash spotlight issues. But do we need that much tits and ass? <laughs> uh, apparently they thought so, Chad. Uh, Sheriff, <laughs> Sheriff Martin. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, if we needed a humor strip, could we just have kept Nort? No, we had to have this cartoonishly borderline racist character invented just to fill the gap. Don't get me wrong, she's not acting particularly stereotypical, but she's drawn in such a way that it makes me cringe. Am I just too ensconced in our modern political correctness sensibilities? Maybe, Chad. Budika. Tits, ass, and muscles. <laughs> but seriously, a key word for this commentary, seriously. <laughs> but seriously, I like this. A lot of heart and alien culture in this one. It got a couple of odd points, but artistically and scripting, both artistically and scripting. But the, I, core, but the core of it's fun and entertaining. I would never have guessed that this is Scott Collins. His style has changed so much since, since this. Yeah, it is different. It is different. And last page, as a power girl pointing out, reminding us that Arisia's 13-year-old in an adult body isn't enough, let's reinforce it by having the preteen ask for big tits, too. <laughs> Face palm! <laughs> love Chad Bokeman. No, he didn't, he didn't really say the love part, but clearly, he, there's a lot, there's a, he's, he's coming from the heart on this, folks. <laughs> or something. Whoa! Well, way to unload, Chad, but it's good stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Any, any thoughts on Chad's thoughts? Um, I, I, I can agree for the most part. I can definitely agree for the most part. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's simple, but it says it. <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny because he, he plays off the political correct sensibilities in, in a rant that uses tits and ass like, like, like three or four different times. <laughs> Oh, but it's good stuff. <laughs> and if nothing else, Chad, that might have been the highlight of this of this episode up to this point. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Um, uh, <laughs> probably because so we don't just keep laughing at the moment. <laughs> uh, this probably this probably will be a good time to take a break. And when we come back, uh, Corwin, who has probably been. Uh, Chomping at the bit to talk about the Sinestro series and his thoughts on that overall and how, you know, where we stand as we begin the rebirth, the second rebirth of Green Lantern. Uh, when we come back, we're going to let, let Mr. Kroll over here have his platform to throw out whatever he thinks about Sinestro and the current Green Lantern direction. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll be back for that. So don't go away, as Chad, I'm sure, will have a nice promo for you that he wants you to listen to. <laughs> so we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. You may know me from the Green Lantern podcast, The Lantern Cast. You also may know me from making promises across the comics podcasting community concerning a new project I've been working on. An Action Comics Weekly podcast, to be precise. 
Well, it's time to deliver on that promise. The Action Comics Weekly Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast featuring myself and a rotating cast of semi-regular co-hosts discussing the characters appearing in the comic series of the same name from the late 1980s. So, starting this summer, join me and Mark Marble as we discuss Green Lantern. For all the people that want to give Hal when he was Parallax a lot of shit about the way he acted, <laughs> Star Sapphire has nothing on Hal for being like pushed over the borderline because she's just completely friggin' nuts. Jay Jones as we discuss Wild Dog. He straight up, like you said, he, he murders these people. And that's, that's not my DC Comics. That's not super heroic at all. Batman wouldn't have killed anybody. But the story, this story is, it's, it's not bad. It's not great. It's, it's like the character himself. It's like, he's just, it's just there. It just exists. Ben Avery, as we discuss The Secret Six. So when I read this alone, as I was reading through this, this issue, I'm thinking, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> I, I told Chad I'd do this, but I don't know if I'm going to like this. <laughs> I, I do end up liking Secret Six more. This is the introduction, and without this, you know, I probably wouldn't like, you know, the, the second chapter as much. Doug Zavisha, as we discuss Dead Man. <laughs> well, it's it's a kind of a waffly Dead Man story. It wants to be a Dead Man story. It starts to be a Dead Man story. It forgets it's a Dead Man story, <laughs> and then it comes back to being one, um, all in the span of eight pages. Alan Middleton, as we discuss Blackhawk that there's sort of this era of Blackhawk where he was sort of dissolute and sort of couldn't get civilian life together. Mm -hmm. And I think this story is either beginning that trend or at least tapping into that, tapping into that fertile story. And Michael Bailey, as we discuss Superman. There is really no way to tie this two-page strip into that. So it really exists in its own world at a time where the Superman books were becoming more and more linked. So it's this oddity on a number of levels. And many other characters featuring many more guest hosts along the way. The Action Comics Weekly Podcast. Coming soon, summer 2016. Find us on Facebook for more details. And we're back. So, hopefully, hopefully you, you enjoyed that promo slash preview slash whatever was put in there. <laughs> I'm sure it was a good one if I know Chad, <laughs> and probably was self-serving, but at least it's a good one. <laughs> at least it's it's high quality work, so it's easier it's easier to be borderline self-serving when it is. <laughs> but seriously, folks. All right, Corwin. It's all you. What do you want to? What do you want to say about Sinestro? Um, I actually had a lot of fun going back and looking at these issues and seeing how, you know, how they progress with the story. Um, just from the beginning, the the Dave Eaglesham art, especially, was really good, and I like how they brought Sinestro back in. This whole his people being alive and spread out in the universe and him trying to rescue them. They gave him real purpose again, which was really good. And I mean, for the most part, this book was one of my favorite lantern books 
of this dark ages as a uh, <laughs> likes to um label this era of green lantern so um and I will say the, the Venditti era, <laughs> which is the political correct, but not which is the proper way of saying it, as as opposed to yes, Jim's label for it apparently. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, I love how they brought in Becca and the new god. Well, not even the new gods, just Becca. I really love how Becca was brought into the Sinestro Corps, and she was just a new character to bring to the lantern world and it, it was even reflected kind of when they did the whole gods and monsters justice league animated feature where she was like the wonder woman of that universe um and i really loved her how they brought her in fortunately near the end of it they really didn't play with her that much i don't know if i don't know if cullen's run was cut short or anything um in the middle he felt like we wavered a little bit with the crossover and and it seemed like they had to leave what Sinestro was doing with the paling and stuff like that and then eventually come back to it. So it wavered a little bit in the middle, but overall, I mean, even the last story arc with the whole uh, Pale Bishops and that whole Earth being invaded and everybody getting rings, that was pretty fun as well. And then it just, the end, like the last, what was it, the the Red Lantern stuff just kind of felt a little bit like, oh, okay. This is kind of where I was going with it. Let me just hurry up and throw it, throw it together and wrap it up. So it felt like a little bit in the middle and at the end there, it just felt like he had to wrap it up. But I really enjoyed the series. I was really happy with it. Would have never thought Sinestro would get a series that wasn't written by Jeff Johns. I know. You know? Um, but and, have it be, and have it be as good and have good. the writer get Sinestro. That's exactly. the part that's, that's the part that always that, – that is absolutely – Impressed me from the beginning, and it carried through through the entire series. The fact that Cullen Bunn got Sinestro, and you really didn't think you thought Jeff Johns would probably be the only one who could do a Sinestro book and really make it really really good or interesting. And Cullen kind of pulled that off. And I do think you're right about, and, my, and I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, no, I'm cool. uh, but I do I do think that. I'm sure the Red Lantern thing was truncated because of the rebirth thing. I think it. it I'm not sure if they, and if we do get Cullen on, uh, we were supposed to, but it didn't really quite, kind of work out. So hopefully we'll be able to reschedule. So if we can ask him, like, how that book was really envisioned to begin with, was there a, a real end game in sight, or was it truly supposed to be an ongoing? Which you, but either way, I'm pretty sure the book was not before Rebirth came about. I'm sure the book wasn't supposed to end even around issue 24. Maybe not. Maybe it was still supposed to go on a little bit longer. Especially based if especially if uh, the Lost Army had continued instead of going into Edge of Oblivion, which was a waste. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was really surprised too at how much. Well, of course, Cullen was also writing Lobo at the time, but they even like sprung the whole new Red Lantern thing in that book, right? That was was that Lobo? Yeah, I think it was his issue where he went off with, with face the Red Lanterns. Where we really saw this new version, yes. quote unquote, new version of them and. The Rage Mother and all that other stuff. It's like, whoa, I wasn't expecting all that to unfold there, even though he does appear here and Sinestro hires him, so there's a bit of crossover. But I guess when you have the same writer on both books, it's easier for them to pull stuff like that off. Yes, it was. And and he, the stuff with Lobo, I mean, the issues were interesting. It's just, and as I talked about when we talked, when we had these uh, issues to do, it seemed like a kind of a crappy way to kill off some of the lanterns that we knew, especially yeah. in Lobo. I mean, 
Ran- it seemed weird for to kill Rancor off that way, just considering he was such a big a big figure in the Red Lanterns book. And of course, I like Monk, so it was kind of I guess you had to you had to kill somebody. I guess pe- people had some kind of even if it's minimal investment in. So I guess obviously killing Monk as opposed to Indigo One makes sense. But I didn't like any of that. I don't like to, even when Logo was dealing Lobo was de- uh, dealing with the. Uh, Red Lanterns, how he seemed to do what better against even Atrocitus than you think he should. Should, yep. So, and we, as of now, we still haven't gotten a real explanation for how Atrocitus is back, why he's back, how he's back, how he got the ring back, why Bleeze is with him when Bleeze was completely on the Guy Gardner side. Yeah. All yeah. that. And it's kind of getting, you know, that stuff they could have touched on maybe in Lobo, and they didn't, and then you thought, and maybe they would have touched on it in the Sinestro series if that series went on and the Red Lanterns were going against the Yellows more. But we haven't even gotten a real explanation for any of that stuff, even in the Green Lanterns issues yet in Rebirth. And it's kind of getting to the point where we need some background, I think. And throughout the whole last episode – well, not last episode. The most recent episode you guys released talking about the Rebirth stuff and how – yeah, there's no explanation of exactly how Trostis got them all back to fall in line. And I'm thinking like maybe it has something to do with the Rage Mother and – and – Trusted is getting his ring back and taking over the core. Maybe there's some kind of mind control thing going on, but I, I do feel a little bit worried of how they're going to have him face off against Guy if they ever meet again. How <laughs> how they can make that work and balance it out because you know Guy finally whooped his well, kicked his ass twice, but maybe I don't know if there's something new, something to something to enrage or trust even more than before. I don't know because you remember um. Oh, what was it? Ratchet? Was it Ratchet? No. What was the brain with the tentacles? Well, he kind of lost his rage, and eventually his ring wanted to leave him. Was that Zillia Sox, or is that the good guy? Uh, Zillius... No, that's the bubble. That's the... <laughs> the testicle. Oh, yeah. What was it? What was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. The testicle. That's what I thought... You... I thought that's I, I I zoned out. I actually thought you were describing the testicle. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it might have been it might have been Rat, Ratchet was the brain, wasn't it? Or was that the goat-looking dude? I can't remember which. No, the goat. No, the goat-looking. No, that was not that. That wasn't Ratchet. That was. Uh, I can't. I'm trying to blame that. Cause it's, oh, okay. But, well, I, I'm I'm hoping that there's some explanation where Trossett has found some new thing to rage about since the Guardians were now dead. They can say there was a lull period where he lost, you know, his main focus or something, and there's something new that enrages him. But I don't know. It, it's it's going to really be hard for a guy to really face off with Atrocitus. No, I know. I I agree. I think it's the it's the expectation game that they're gonna have that will maybe work against us because again we know we know it's gonna be really difficult to take him. He has to be rehabilitated as far as being a threat because we we've we've kind of seen we've seen him go against a guy multiple times and and it hasn't ended well for him at all. <laughs> so you you think there has to be. Uh, Scalox is the goat. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, and there has so there has to be something that that levels levels the playing field. But at the moment, um, I'm I I want to see the Reds you know come back be be back as a threat. I think it's cool to kind of make them to build them back up again. As I think I mentioned when Chad and I were talking about this. It kind of almost would have been better to use like the Indigo Tribe, maybe use something that it's a core that we haven't really seen we've much seen. of and yep. seen as in that role before. True. I mean, we've seen them be backstabbers, but we haven't seen them be actual villains yet. So, maybe they're, so 
that the Green Lantern book so far is okay. It's I like Jessica, which you're supposed to because they're clearly, they're clearly making Simon out to be not likable. <laughs> so I mean, you have no choice if you didn't like Jessica if by default because because of hanging out with Simon, then you'd have a problem. But I'm much more interested in the other ring and and what that means and what that who that guardian is that it, the stuff that probably is Jeff Johns' influence. <laughs> That's the stuff that intrigues me and obviously by. As we're as we're recording this, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, the the one, the rebirth one shot hasn't come out yet, but it's coming out tomorrow. So we'll have an idea. To, we'll see how that is. That's the book. So what are you looking forward to that because of Sinestro being a key player? Oh. Or are you ner- are you nervous? <laughs> I'm a little nervous that they're going to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and just completely make him irredeemable. But um, I don't know. I, I have a little faith that with the rebirth thing, they're not going to completely going the opposite direction of characterization so hopefully hopefully they'll keep still keep him mostly the same of course he's going to be doing underhanded bad things at times for whatever he deems the proper purpose for but more than anything i gotta say with this sinestro series as well they consistently had decent artists on it i can't really i don't really think we've got you know bait and switched with too many bad artists um Robinson Rocha, he's actually doing one of the books now, right? Yes. All right, and I was really surprised to see Ethan just kind of pop up in this and some of the other books where he was helping out here and there, and that definitely made my day. So, um, solid series. I'm at least glad that you know it doesn't seem like it got cut too short compared to some of the other work that uh, Cullen was doing. No, he he didn't. He definitely didn't didn't get his legs cut out from underneath him like he did with Lost Army, which was unfortunate because that story was a hell of a lot more interesting than the, than the Edge of Oblivion story. Yeah, I mean we still have to cover technically Edge of Oblivion six just to wrap it up still. But at the end of the day, that was just poorly conceived. It's like you would have been better off having a twelve having one twelve issue series that even if the sales weren't great, at least it told a cohesive story and got you from point A to point B. Then let's have one six issue story and have another six issue story. They don't have anything in common pretty much other than the fact they're in this universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they didn't even explain what happened to all the different colors nope. that, that the Lantern suddenly became and then nope. just disappeared. And, of course, like you mentioned, um, Relic and, and Krona. Krona just – but hey. And the Krona stuff and the Krona stuff was pretty important because clearly, clearly they were hinting at stuff related to Krona. And it would have been nice, like I said, well, even if it, if it wasn't true, it would have been nice to get a definitive answer whether this stuff – you know, more or less, this, this is kind of like a loop for Relic, and this is kind of what happened before, which is why even if he doesn't remember every single thing that happened in the, in his old universe, there's enough of there's enough of his of feeling of betrayal and dissatisfaction and rage towards Lanterns, which is kind of feeds the way he you know he becomes once he wakes up in our universe. That it would have been nice to know of you know, Krona kind of like getting his ear and. Even though it's it's not it's not like it wouldn't have been accurate if all Crone is doing is telling him that John Stewart's full of crap, you know he's lying to you. But still, the whole idea that Crona helps put him down this path that to make him really have this major resentment towards Lanterns and why when he comes back he's just a lot less um, reasonable because he still seems pretty reasonable for the time we're dealing with him in Lost Army, but. Well, probably at some point, I'm sure we'll get that touched upon. Uh, I'm just, I'll, I'm just hoping we find out what, how they got sent to that universe sometime, like in the next yeah. six months, to find <laughs> out at least what happened to them, you know, and who sent them there, and why, you know, where the Templar Guardians, 
yeah, it'd be cool to have Ganthet and Sade come back, which has kind of been hinted in some of the artwork or the covers or whatever. That would be definitely – that's overdue, but it's like – what? oh, since we've talked – we were talking Sinestro, did you – How'd you, how'd you feel about the nice little uh, St. Walker and our killer reunion? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Made me smile. Made me smile indeed. I'm, I'm hoping they at least fix his fingers, give him back his fingers. Cause, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> Killer's always just been getting snubbed. Yes. Right. Yes. I, I've championed our killer quite a few times on this show, and not just because he and St. Walker have this unconventional friendship. <laughs> But just, yeah, because Arkillo is—he is like your good soldier. He is your—he is Sinestro's number one soldier. And even though Sinestro's the one who keeps flip-flopping and kind of like <laughs> hanging him out in the in the breeze all the time, Arkillo's the one who always tries to hold the line, and Arkillo's the one who ends up always paying the price for it. And I don't and, like that. And I think it's time for that to turn around. And it's funny too, because I remember when the. Uh... DC released all those busts for the different Lantern Corps. I'm like, really? They put actually an Arkillo bust? And uh, it, it really came around, and they really built him up to be somebody worthy of having, you know, his own little bust statue. So, Actually, yeah, and I think that Arkillo's one, you know, even throughout the entire New Guardians series, no matter going back to the beginning, the first part of the run before the post-Johns, you know, in the, the Jordan era, the Justin Jordan era, I think Arkillo was one of the characters they really did a good job of fleshing out mm -hmm. and making him – and once we saw his origin story, his full origin story, it kind of made sense because it's kind of like that duality in his origin, you know, the, the, the beast side and the religious side. So it makes sense that there's two kind of – there's two there's two parts to him that he's not just – he's just not a rageless, a raging killer, that there's parts of him that that there's deep that there's deeper elements. So I thought – that was really, as, you know, which makes sense because I'm the same Walker guy too. But it made it was really touching when they were reunited, like on Earth, and he's going, you know, when Arkillo is actually admitting that he he's basically telling everybody or telling us, as in everybody, that he feels guilty, that he feels shame, that he that he knew what was going on, what he thought was going on, and it was reasonable to think what was going on, as in being tortured even if it was for a higher goal, and even if St. Walker volunteered for it, the point was he knew what was going on with St. Walker, and he felt guilt and shame that he didn't come and get him out earlier. But the fact that, yeah, the fact that they both have that friendship, the fact that they're on Earth, you know, that they're left behind, that they don't, you know, that that's a crying shame if they don't interact with with Jessica and Simon soon, especially if this thing is really, if the big plan is all involving Earth, and you would think, Especially involving Red Lanterns and both both those characters and their history with Red Lanterns too. Yeah. It would seem like because well Jessica and Simon are pretty much noobs. Certainly Saint Walker and Arkillo are not, so they can bring a lot to the table. Very true. And you know you got to give them props to the fact that the books are going twice monthly now. So you know twenty four issues in a year they can they can really move things at a much quicker pace and put some. A lot more story out. It's just a matter of can they keep it going and not, you know, burn out. Yes. Or start stretching things out. Yeah, Greenland, and, and they and they have to start bringing. They have to start making Simon likable. <laughs> <laughs> Only because even though I, I guess if you, you don't have to, if you really want to, if deep down in their mind's eye, it's Jessica's book, really. If that's what their goal is to make it Jessica's book, then I guess they don't have to. Here's a funny little story. Here's a really really short funny story. I've been working downstairs in, the, in in my basement. I've been like repainting, spray painting some of the ceiling tiles. So yeah, so over the weekend I had to remove the one that was over one of my areas where I keep my power batteries. 
and I had my hero clicks around the power batteries since they were in such perfect scale. And I ended up knocking off the Simon Baz one. <laughs> and he landed exactly at the right spot where his head broke off. <laughs> now, I did crazy glue it back on. But the point is, if Simon ends up getting decapitated sometime in the near future, it's, it's I called it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I do think Jessica is probably the main reason, the main focus focal point of that what they want the character you want they want you to like in that book and they're doing a good job with it i like i like jessica they don't simon was likable previously so they need to bring a little bit more of that in i think they'll be oh, i think they'll be good there the red lantern yeah the red lanterns will be interesting where it's going with and i do hope i really do hope the archillo saint walker thing gets picked up on on earth because that would be kind of because we get, we are getting some of those hints, like what you know, what Van Skyver said about some of the artwork that he had to draw, and uh, how cruel and whatever that phrase was I use about the that he said about the the script that he got from Robert and, and how bad the Sinestro Corps was when he was driving them, drawing them. Mm-hmm. That it, it makes me wonder if the Sinestro Corps ends up, and I and I don't really want this to happen because we have a lot invested in them in them now. That they really do start kind of going back more to what they were. At least that's what the plan is behind the scenes, even if the lanterns on the surface don't know about it. I do want to see how I do want to see there to be like a schism where you're going to have some lanterns that are not going to want to go back and be yep. the way they were. And Archillo is a prime example of one you think of who might not want to go back because he clearly was reveling in being a hero. I'm, I'm telling you, like like I said way before, they probably eventually at least some sectors have one of each and have them part, force them to be partners. It'll be what's that TV show I'm trying to think of? It'll be like one of those crazy sitcoms where you just put the two opposite people together on the same team and just have to make them work. Yeah, that could I I could see, and I could certainly see that even with greens and just greens and yellows, them kind of like being partners, be partnering up in a sector because of. We control. We control this now, but we used to control this, and just instead of going out, you know, have an out, all and out, all and all out war again, too, just have them work together. But Arkillo is the prime example of somebody who might not want to go back to being the monster, right. the monster core, because he, you know, we saw during the end of the Sinestro run that he really enjoyed, you know, defending, defending, and being the champion, and people liking that, and and we, it's certainly. And you probably feel the same way. It certainly would be really nice, if nothing else, to have him get his revenge on Mongol. Yes. Because he, Mon- he, he, he deserves his moment in the sun. Yes. And, and, and Mongol would be the perfect one because, again, Archillo did nothing wrong but defend, the what, if you will, the honor of Sinestro and the core. He almost won. He didn't. But then he, then he had that unfortunate, the whole tongue thing and, and as the badge of shame or whatever. So... But of course, he would have if if he and Saint Walker end up confronting him at some point together. Then of course, he has the benefit of being able to be amped up to two hundred percent. Go out there and get him, buddy. <laughs> and you know what? What I love too with with the Sinestro series is this last story. Well, second to last story arc with the whole Earth invasion. They really went all out. I mean, it was like it it, it wasn't there wasn't enough buildup for it to be like a Sinestro core war, but the scope and the epicness that that Bun really put into it, he made it as big as possible. He brought in, you know, Superman, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, Deathstroke. You seen worldwide just everything going down with it, and it, it just made it such an epic thing. 
So I definitely got to give him props for that. And even with the ending of it and how he, he crippled Sinestro, it, it, it's kind of like the perfect way to leave him broken for another writer to come and try to fix it and give him something to build up again from. He saved the Kurgarians, so now what focus does he have? He He's helping while well, Saranic is in charge of the core. They're, they're keeping world peace. What's next for Sinestro? He's going to have to figure out how to get his powers back or how to get himself back to where he was. Yes, and you, and and clearly, clearly they were hinting at that parallax is going to play a factor in that. <laughs> uh, which exactly. Is, which is which is cool. Uh, and here's another thing, which, considering the last time this happened, I shouldn't even be looking forward to this, but it still seems to open the door for the eventual confrontation between Sinestro Parallax and Hal Parallax, the Convergence yeah. Parallax. True, because we have two. Parallaxes, yes, two running entities. around the universe. Yep, we have two. We have two fear entities in in our universe, and, no, and nothing else at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they even like <laughs> if the entities are reborn, or somehow we'll see what new shape they'll take, and they'll at least bring one or two. You know, they'll probably slowly roll them back out, but we'll at least see one of them pop up within the next year or two. I would like to think so. It's been a while since the entities have been gone. I like the entities. I thought. And you, and you have to go ahead. I was gonna say sometimes they just seem to be a little bit too easy to beat. Is the only problem I have with it. With oh them. yeah, 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 and too and too easy to pull out of its host. I think yeah. too. Yeah, that was, and the, and some some entities the we, most of the entities we never really got to see that much. Obviously, we've seen Parallax a ton of times. We've seen Ion a ton of times. We've seen the White Entity a, a little bit, but you know we. You know, we didn't get as much interaction with Obsidian or Prozolite, and obviously Adara, not surprising, because the Blues get shafted a lot. We didn't get, we we even I think have seen more of the Butcher than Adara. Adara, we just saw that one time when she was in, uh, the girl, who mm-hmm. uh, and then, which kind of raised, no pun intended, it kind of raised your hope that this was going to be an interesting character. We, we might keep seeing, <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, then it's like, oh nope, we got to collect, nope, the entity's pulled out like everybody else. It's like, uh, damn that Krona. <laughs> Yep, agree. So you know, speaking of Cronin, I'm I won't drag on too long. No, you're not, you're not at all. Go ahead. How do you feel about these the the for the Lantern universe? Suddenly now we have all these renegade guardians popping up here, doing this here, doing that. The pale the pale bishop, the 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 new one now with the new ring running around in the rebirth books. You guys think they're going too much to the well with making these bad guy guardians or renegade guardians? It's convenient. It's way, it's it's way too convenient, I think. When 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 in doubt and you need an all powerful, you know, in quotes, an all powerful villain or somebody who's organizing something who would have power to do things that you would think no one else would be able to do. Yeah, let's 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 dig up another guardian. I think it's interesting that this guardian obviously looks a lot more like the Templar guardians. True. I think that's kind of interesting. The one with the the mystery, you know, mysterious ring in the box, and I think that's I think that's in. The only thing that bothered me about the paling one, and we talked about it, is that 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 he was a nobody. He wasn't a, if he was a guardian that we knew, somebody had someone who had a name at least, then it may have, it may have meant more. The fact that it was just a throwaway guardian because you could always you could come up with as many of those as you want. Um, I I, I I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Um, who was the one in the Green Lantern movie that that, that was missing that became Parallax? Do you remember the name of that one? But that was supposed to the one who was that was supposed to be Krona. That was supposed to be Krona. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was supposed to be Krona. Uh, no need to apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was 
Yeah, that one was supposed to be Chrono, but they did a half-assed job of explaining that too. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it would be. I would just like them to have more. I mean, I think this one, this Guardian, is going to have more back backstory. I think we're going to have more, once we find out. I think it's going to have more relevance actually than the the pale than the pale bishop thing. I kind I like the concept of that Guardian just being basically afraid of emotion and what emotion can do, and that kind of led him off on the path to you know becoming the pale vicar. I kind of like that, but he was nameless. If it was somebody we knew, but just you know his body was you know he came to Earth or he was on Earth before Black Adam beat him, and that would have been more interesting to me. Just having him be that was disappointing. That that there was no resolution to it. And and to make it even worse, I just realized with the whole new Fifty Two, they really could have picked any Guardian name they wanted because it would have been pretty much a retcon anyway with the whole new Fifty Two. Yeah, that's true. They could have they could have given. Up existing names, slightly different origins, and then, yeah. and then, uh, or kind of like, yeah, give, or give us a, a rehash of, wh- of why this might is possible. Like, kind of like keep part of the do a typical, yeah, Jeff Johns retcon where you have you keep some stuff, stuff you see, but the stuff you didn't see, which now makes this kind of plausible why this character could be here or, or be. Yep, but we will see. I, I have a little more hope for this. This renegade guardian, if you will, but I do want to find out what happened to the Templar guardians. <laughs> what, whether whether they're going to be bringing back the real, you know, whether they're kind of paving the way to bring back the real guardians too, since Kyle technically should still be able to do that based on his power set. Uh, I know some people. It's always up for debate, since some people thought that was related to his ion power, but it was never specifically said. As long as you are, as long as you are ion, you can do that. It's just said as long as you're alive, pretty much. You you have the ability to bring the to bring us back again if we get wiped out. So they have been wiped out. So technically, maybe maybe Kyle will be able to bring you know bring the Guardians back again. The question is whether that's a good thing, and whether it's too soon. Even if it is a good thing, you know it hasn't been that hasn't been that that long since they all got wiped out, and we remember what they were doing before they got wiped out. I'm I'm just curious how long before things go back to status quo with the Guardians running the Green Lantern Corps, but. Yeah, you know, it's, eventually it's, it'll. It's gonna come eventually. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think it, I think it's probably coming. And who knows? Maybe that's, maybe that's what Ganthet and Sage are gonna have a role in too. Though I wish they would restart the Blues instead. Exactly. <laughs> Give Sam Walker a buddy, will you? <laughs> yes. And they still, and Hal still, his ring is still flying around somewhere. <laughs> oh, very true. Well, very it may not be flying anymore once the power battery was destroyed. Maybe it just plunked, plunked down somewhere. But it's certainly oh capable God. of coming back online. <laughs> Very true, uh, and and you know one thing which is like the um, what was it? There's a lost what was it lost sapphire? The there's like a missing sapphire that they kind of touched on back during Blackest Night when they had the whole profile page of all the cores. I remember the page. Yes, I'm there, trying to remember the character. There was, there was a little hint of a story of a lost sapphire that you you would think that somebody would pick up and run with, but there, there's so much out there to do. The sapphires, from from what I heard from from Robert, that the, he does have a plan for Carol and the sapphires. So I think we will be seeing them in in the Hal Jordan book. So I think he, I think that'll be so that core. So he's gonna pretty much he's gonna have most of the cores to play with probably right now, with the exception of the reds and maybe orange. If Larfleet is actually really going to show up in Green Lanterns, as opposed to just being put on a cover and he doesn't show up in the issue. <laughs> <laughs> so, but maybe, but maybe, I mean, so, but you think he has the, you know, he's going to have the yellows and the, you know, the yellows, the sapphires, uh, so he's got, he's going to have a decent amount 
to to play with. So we'll we'll see what happens then. But to have you, to, so you've 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 liked Green Lantern so far, what you know about it, the, the new the new book. Or yeah, no? yeah, okay. Rebirth, the two, the, the Rebirth. Oh, that's three issues. Yeah, the first two issues. It's it's interesting. It's Earth based, which is going to make a lot of people happy that you know we get to see them interact with the Justice League and be on Earth. But at the heart of it, I'm still glad that we have our space book with you know characters running around in space. Yes. I, I don't mind it. It's going to be something different at the very least as long as we have the space soap opera still going. I guess the only thing – the only thing that will be really important to see right off the bat will be how he how Robert juggles so many characters, yeah. especially once the core comes back. Like the first issue or so it probably won't be an issue, but one – no pun intended. But once we get – but once, once the core actually comes back, then you're going to have to – Juggle Hal and John and Guy. Guy. Eventually, eventually yeah. Kyle, but not we know not right away because Kyle's being saved, I guess, for something relevant. Oh, speaking of, are you guys going to be doing an episode on Omega Man? I do not know. Okay. Did you read Omega Man? Not yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you want the episode, isn't it? <laughs> not entirely, but it will give me a reason to hurry up and read it. So. I know we have not discussed it in a in the short term. Uh, possibly, I. But again, I don't know. Okay. And, and people out there, don't let that be your new uh, <laughs> oh, what should we call it? threshold. <laughs> threshold, yeah. No, no, this isn't threshold two. No, um, <clears throat> you're probably. I can't. I was gonna say you're probably more likely to get Larf to, you know, to get Larfleys handled before you before Omega Man, and it's still probably true. But at least I know I have Larfleys <laughs> threshold. I don't have a one, but I, 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 I'm not threshold uh, Mega Man. I can tell you one is definitely going to be better than the other, so you may be better off with the Omega Man than, yeah. than that Larflees, because Lord, 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 Lord. There are right. a few. There are a few good issues of Larflees when they brought the when the Orange Lanterns kind of came back and were real. Yes, yes, yeah, that was interesting. But... That was it. That 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 being left that way, that was kind of that was that's something that just is just begging to be picked up on again. Very true. So especially since we know he's still got a thousand rings sitting around his house, <laughs> which is, is kind of ironic that. <clears throat> When the whole Godhead thing happened, which I'm actually I know, pre- yeah. I'm prepping to bind all this stuff. I also was reviewing some of them recently. But the whole Godhead <laughs> thing, before they like steal one of the rings, he has lying around. But I guess maybe that's the one that was charged. But they steal the one off his finger, and he's all upset. Which, well, it's Larflees, but... Yeah, it's still, it's think, still his. <laughs> you'd still think they'd hint at all the other rings that were lying around. Yeah, that, and that was that was the bad part of Godhead. They got the rings way too quick. Quickly, yeah. Yeah, that you thought that was going to be a big part of the story, getting the rings, not just. And poor Arkilla. <laughs> Take your ring, not mine. What? <laughs> just paving the way for artists to keep drawing the wrong hand that he's missing, <laughs> which really isn't difficult. It's like he, he's he's a yellow he's a yellow lantern. More like nine times out of ten, that means his ring hand is his left. <laughs> you know, I never caught that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not it's not an it's not a rule because I think you do see some yellow lanterns that have it on their right hand, but even if it was just following in Sinestro's footsteps of having it on the left, most yeah, almost certainly the original red uh, or yellow lanterns I think all had their right hand be their left, so that kind of would make sense since they were really supposed to be the opposite right. of the Green Lantern. So well, I learned something new today. Uh, Got to be good for something once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> And just to close out, I will give 
Colin Bunn points um, at the whole end of the big old story arc with Superman and Wonder Woman when they both met Becca. Yes. <laughs> Superman's like, I think I might be in. And Wonder Woman's like, me, me too. And he's like, you too? <laughs> she's like, I don't want to discuss this with you. <laughs> oh. That, that was, was funny. Yeah. That was a great moment. Yeah, Becca was a good character. She oh. And her relationship with Sinestro would, could be really interesting if they if they actually take the ball and run with it. Which they really haven't done all that much since God has. I think I'd rather see them as comrade in, comrades in arms than actually be a couple. Um, I, I like the fact that it's like a mutual respect kind of thing with the two of them. It's not romantical. Yeah, I think that works. But with a little bit of sexual tension thrown in, I guess that's that that can work. Uh, I, yeah, I don't need. I didn't mean that necessarily for them to pair off. But yeah. Right. I, but I, but I think they don't. They don't have. They haven't had much as much time together or any a lot sure. of bonding time since God had. And you would think that, but that's also because Lissa can't take her damn paws off Sinestro, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not mad at him. <laughs> I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom, woman. Get your, give me a break. <laughs> I can do this myself. <laughs> Oh, and you know, I'm surprised we well, not surprised, but I'm hoping we get a little bit more of Ceranic and her background. I mean, it's kind of funny that she's I guess nobody really touched on the fact that she's kind of a hybrid. She's a she's a mixed breed between two different races. Of that course, is true. I know it's not a big it's not really a big part of her character, but it'll be cool to see her go and actually like meet her mother's people or something. See if she has any well, I don't think Avin has any family left, does he? His son yeah, son was a schmuck and he's gone. <laughs> is he dead? Yeah, that was a monster, right? Because he yeah. was, the, yeah, he, because he was a, yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was dead. Okay, I don't remember what happened to him. I know he was got a ring, Sinestro Corps War, and all that other stuff. I don't remember what happened to him, but okay. But it'd be interesting to see her kind of connect with her mom's side of the family, see a little bit of something there, or her trying to, you know, grip her heritage a little bit. Yeah, that's a good idea. Could yeah. happen. So, so any other thoughts, or you're, or you're, are you content? I'm, I'm content. I don't get to talk lantern stuff with people very often, so. Well, you're always welcome to come on and talk lantern stuff, and with, uh, and with chat recording schedule these days, that that could happen really easily. <laughs> hey, whenever you need me, I'm on tap. Just hit me up. So here, here's here's time for you, an opportunity for any selfless plugging you want to do. Feel free. <laughs> Um, real easy to find me, EarthsMightiestPodcast.com. We've got uh, three podcasts, uh, Earth's Mightiest Podcast, EMP, where we go over all the Avengers books, um, which is proving a bit of a challenge lately. Uh, my co-hosts are just going through all kind of things. Um, one of them went on tour, his comedy tour through Japan and Vietnam, so he was gone for a little bit. Uh, the other one went out to New Mexico to visit family and stuff, so he had a little vacation, so... Life has just been kind of keeping us busy, so we've fallen behind a bit. So, um, I'm I'm having people step into some of our episodes. So, you know, I've had a chat on an EMX episode. So, yeah, uh, this fall I think uh, I think it's gonna be your turn, Mark. Join us <laughs> up on EMX for a little bit, talk some X Men books. But um, got that going. EMP EMX where we talk X Men stuff, and my friend Scott and I have the Merc with a podcast where it's all Deadpool. Well, can't even say it's all Deadpool. Uh, it's it's 25% Deadpool, 75% anime movies, and whatever other stuff we decide that we want to waste time on talking about before we get to Deadpool. So <laughs> we have a lot of fun on that podcast, really just BSing, and then sprinkling a little bit of Deadpool at the end, which um, 
I'm a little bit worried lately because Deadpool books have seemed to be ballooning again. You know, five, six years ago, we had maybe like six books a month or something like that. And now it's starting to grow again. So hopefully the quality will keep up. Don't want to oversaturate the Deadpool market. Exactly. I mean, the movie was a success and all, but... And, of course, we got things like Gwenpool, which is Gwen Stacy from a different reality being a Deadpool and other kind of weirdness like that. Um, Deadpool and the Mercs for Money is actually a really funny, really group book where they got a lot of C and D Marvel characters that are all kind of under his wing now. So that's a book, a fun book to check out. Um, we even actually covered some of the um, Harley Quinn issues where she faced off against a character named Dead Tool. <laughs> Something like that. Something too. So there's a lot of similarities there. So we have a lot of fun on there. We really goof off a lot. So listeners can check that out. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Ert, at uh, EMPcast. Uh, comicbinding.com. I've just been swamped with a lot of things lately, so I haven't posted any new maps. But I'm almost done with the Dark Ages, so there's going to be a nice map of uh, four volumes of all the Lantern books in a nice chronological reading order. So listeners can be on the lookout for that as well. Sounds great. Now, if you want to contact us, I suppose somebody might want to on occasion. Uh, lanterncast at gmail.com. An oldie but a goodie, yes. Lanterncast at gmail.com. Website, lanterncast.com. Get our latest episodes and blogs, Ring Cyclopedia episodes, Dark Star reviews. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, so please leave us positive reviews everywhere that you listen to us. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. And next episode, we have no idea. <laughs> I, I, as far as my planning, go, my planning covered uh, Game of Thrones and the quarterly. Now it's, it's time to uh, send, out an, send out some uh, kind of... Uh, Message to Chad, carrier pigeon somehow, and <laughs> something Morse code, and try to figure out what are, if we're recording together next or we're picking a different topic. At least soon we'll be able to do issue reviews again. Probably not next one though, because he probably won't want to split up. Uh, eh, maybe he might he might consider maybe one issue of Green Lanterns, one issue of Re- of uh, Core, and and finish off Edge of Oblivion, but. We'll see. I wouldn't bet on it. It'll probably be something more obscure than this, but we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> you want to know something very sad? What? Game of Thrones. I have only seen half of the first episode. Which half? The first or the second? <laughs> the first half of the first episode. <laughs> I figured, but... I, I started it with my wife, and then she didn't want to finish that episode, and then I'm supposed to actually be waiting for her to get back into it, and it's been what six years later now. Yeah, here we're. <laughs> so, well, at this point, you might as well uh, wait a little bit longer than you can just binge watch and watch it all in like in like two weeks. <laughs> exactly. I, I know they're ending it with what season ten or something. Uh, season should be season eight. Eight. Okay. Yeah, but there's only supposed to be thirteen to fifteen more episodes left, so it's not going to be ten oh. episode seasons. Wow. So they're going really short on the seasons. Yeah. Okay. But there's not much material left. So they, I've, uh, I've yeah. never read the books, so have they caught up to the books now? They, or yeah, they... they they passed. They I think in season five, I believe they actually caught up and passed passed the book. So season six was entirely yeah. entirely off, you know, uncharted territory off the map, except for I think they did tie in some threads 
books. They pulled in some th- some threads that were in the books that they hadn't touched on, but as far as where the characters are overall, yeah, they've kind of shot past. They kind of shot past the books at this point. Wow. All right. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming back. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me on. Like I said, it's always an honor to jump on here with you guys. Well, thank you very much. So I guess uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>